or a uh, deliver whatever sort of a talk it's going to be, uh, I want to acknowledge the uh, subtle presence of our great friend, the Reverend John King. Reverend Kanshin Daine, in his ordination name. Uh, he, uh, he was and is a marvelous friend to this temple and to me personally. And, uh, so once a year, we uh, make a point of thinking of him and inviting him to return to this temple that he cared for over many years. So I think only a few of you uh, knew him, but uh, those of you who didn't know him, If you had met him, he would have liked you. I could just about guarantee he was that kind of person. So we'll have a just a short ceremony after the talk. He uh, he, he f fell ill and, and died fairly quickly. Uh, and one of the projects he did not get to complete was for uh, sitting platforms for this meditation hall. And if you may have seen uh, East Asian med meditation hall arrangements, uh, often there is a platform that's about this high uh, and sitting on the ground is tends to be somewhat frowned upon as maybe not not so healthy. I'm not quite sure what aspect of Chinese medicine is behind that. But so if if John had lived, we would have sitting platforms or or tons as they're called. So. Periodically, I mention that to remind the universe that that's still on the list. <laughs> it's okay to manifest anytime. Just we might come down here one morning and there'd be sitting platforms. That would be really exciting. Uh, yesterday, I was watching one of my favorite. Uh, uh, YouTube channels uh, called uh, Esoterica. I don't know if any of you, anybody watch that? Yeah, you, you do? No, I don't. I wasn't raising that yet. There's someone behind you who does. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, a very interesting guy. Um, Dustin Sledge is his name. He's, uh, uh, he's a doctorate in philosophy. And he's also uh, something of a linguist knows Latin and Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And uh, 
He always has something interesting to say. And yesterday he was talking about this uh, character from uh, 13th century uh, Europe uh, named uh, John Duns Scotus, whose name means John the Scotsman from the town of Duns. And he mentioned that uh, that's where we get our word dunce, which I did not, I never heard that before. But uh, there were quite a few people who did not think highly of uh, John's philosophy. So this name dunce started circulating as people who went for, for his philosophical position. And then the rest of that video was um, Dr. Sledge explaining uh, uh, what uh, John Don Scotus thought in the context of, of uh, medieval philosophy. And I bring it up because I couldn't follow at all what he was talking about. I, was, I would say I, if I got a third of it, that would be uh, optimistic. But what was interesting was watching my mind try to kind of close around what he was explaining. And I realized that's, that is, that's how our minds work very often. Like it's like, this is almost like trying to catch a butterfly without hurting it. And yet it was so complex and presupposed so much kind of prior philosophical familiarity that there was no way I was going to understand it. Uh, and in fact, uh, John was known as the subtle doctor. He's a doctor of the church, one of not very many of those, uh, because his arguments were so subtle that many people, such as myself, could not follow it. But watching my mind try to close around, it's like, Oh yeah, got it now. Without doing violence to it, basically it did not work. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, and the contrast between that way of thinking and our, our uh, ancestral Zen approach that we've inherited was very striking. Um, li listening to this philosophical argument did remind me a little bit of uh, following the arguments proposed by the great Nagarjuna, the first or second century Indian Buddhist philosopher, uh, who uh, was regarded by some as a second Buddha because of the power of his philosophical argumentation. And he too was very subtle and hard to follow. Uh, but as you may know, he was the kind of um, first uh, proponent of record of um, a philosophy known as Madhyamika in Sanskrit, uh, and a particular flavor of Madhyamika, which 
regards as um, a complete waste of time to try to establish some philosophical stance or position that does not eventually lead to absurdity. So his monumental work, the root verses on the middle way, is full of these arguments that propose something and then lead us through a series of conclusions and wind up at the point of saying, you see, this is ridiculous. We are now once again uh, in a place of absurdity. So this style of philosophy became famous, or some would say inf infamous, for um, not proposing anything, including not proposing, not proposing anything, for fear of winding up in a, a corner from which there is no escape except to admit, yeah, that was, yeah, this is absurd. So following Nagarjuna's argument was a little bit like following John Scotus in, again, sensing the mind, trying to acquire a, a point of view that was kind of foreign to it. So, and again, this is a, quite a stark contrast to our, our way, which does not so much propose philosophical positions. In Chan or Zen, we are presented with the, the human condition as expressed in the paradox of this body-mind. And of course, for Buddhists, the, the pivot point of that reflection is always the issue of suffering. So, this makes our, uh, our approach uh, necessarily what they call soteriological. You've probably heard that term. I know you have. That is focused on liberation. And uh, Reverend Duns Scotus, I, I don't think that could be said of his argumentation. And by the way, he was... Um, uh, he and Thomas Aquinas, you've heard of, were uh, quite opposed to one another. And personally, I can't really get excited about either of them because the emphasis on sheer intellect I find exhausting. And of course, we do not have that emphasis in John's in fact we like to say you know what let your intellect rest let your intellect rest in the phenomenology of this body mind here and now now that too is soteriological but um in a way that's not necessarily, it's not going to remind most Westerners of anything they heard about growing up. 
I have another favorite YouTube channel, and uh, the uh, the presenter there is a chap I've mentioned once or twice, named uh, Lon Milo Duquette. I don't know if anybody knows that name. He's a very very interesting guy. He's uh, slightly older than I am, so he's been around a while, and he is one of a. I don't know how, how many exactly, a, a small number of um, uh, magicians. But um, uh, this is the kind of magic with a K. Have you seen that? M-A-G-I-C-K. Not the M-A-G-I-C, which is just like card tricks, etc. This is real magic, so to speak. And uh, uh, he was um, uh, speaking about uh, spiritual practice, if you like, from the point of view of his tradition, which uh, was founded by someone else whom you may have heard of. Anybody heard of Aleister Crowley? Yes? Not so many, huh? Interesting. He was he was uh, infamous in his day, which I I think if you actually study his history and especially his writings was not justified. People thought he was some sort of devil worshiper, which was not at all the case. He too was a magician, a sorcerer, if you like. Um, anyway, uh, I was surprised when. Um, uh, Lon Milo Duquette was talking about the uh, process of initiation in this uh, tradition with which he was intimately familiar. And he said, um, uh, you know, that process begins and develops on the basis of the question, who are you? I thought, well, that's startling. That sounds kind of familiar. Hmm. Who are you? Who? Which is, what is your actual genuine identity in the midst of this mis mysterious life of ours? And the processes of initiation in these magical traditions have to do with becoming more and more acquainted with who you are and um, manifesting that as someone who uh, understands and can effectuate the practice of magic, which has been described as the practice of producing changes in consciousness at will. I thought, oh, that too is interesting. And I was, again, I was struck by how easily my mind found its way in among these different concepts, whereas the subtle doctor and I would have to speak for a very long time before we had anything to say to each other.
So this question of, of who are you comes up in the context of the uh, practice of modern magic. And if you belong to a um, uh, magical tradition, such as um, um, Mr. Duquette does, uh, his being the one known as Thelema, does that ring any bells for people? Thelema is uh, um, a uh, elaborate and complex system, at least on some levels, that uh, Aleister Crowley initiated and uh, it, it still has adherence to this day, uh, perhaps more than actually in his day. And the initiatory and educative process involves coming to understand who you are in this universe. And the suggestion is, who you are is not what you thought. It's not how you thought you were. It's not how you grew up thinking of yourself. You are something quite extraordinary. And again, I felt like, yeah, that's familiar. In Chan, you know, especially in our, our lineage, we don't... Um, well, once in a while, somebody will say something like, you are someone extraordinary. but. Often that comes too close to what in, in uh, Soto Zen is called uh, breaking the taboo of speaking the emperor's name. And this is some, an old, old Chinese Chan saying, at least in our lineage. And basically you don't run around talking about your enlightenment or somebody else's enlightenment or... This, this great awakening I had last weekend, or you just don't say that sort of stuff. That is considered to be um, rude and, uh, you know, self-aggrandizing and basically not helpful. So you don't run around spouting the emperor's name. Everyone knows, that is, as your practice matures and materializes, everyone knows the emperor's name, so you don't run around saying it. People say, oh, those, those Soto people, or, or using the Chinese name of our lineage, the Tsaldong people, oh, they, they don't, you know, none of them are enlightened. It's like, how dare you, sir or madam, just because we don't talk about it? That does not mean we uh, disparage enlightenment, not in the least. And in fact, we too sometimes frame our practice in terms of, who are you? But in a way that is, uh, well, you know what? It's kind of magical not very philosophical. I was thinking of one of my favorite stories. Oh, yes, here I go again with my favorite stories. But uh, this question, you know, 
who are you uh, came to my mind and i was thinking that oh yeah i remember hearing that um uh, one of the progenitors of the one of the five houses you know about that there are five lineages in chan or zen and there are arguments about how many survive but most people probably would say uh, certainly two survive some argue you, you hear a voice from the you know from the uh, hinterland somebody saying no i belong to you know such and such a lineage and it's like well okay okay maybe you do but anyway the Dong lineage or soto that's us and then there is the Minji lineage or Rinzai. Uh, that's those guys. That's what I usually say. Um, and then there were uh, three others. Uh, there was, uh, let's see, the Guiyang lineage, the Yunman lineage, and the Fayan lineage. Those all are generally believed not to have survived to the present day. But in any case, one of them, the Guiyang lineage, what the founder was a chap known as Guiyang Lingyo. And he, uh, for some time, studied with a, a towering master uh, of the Tang Dynasty known as Baijang Kuaihai. And um, uh, he got to be, uh, 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 Guishan, uh, uh got to be Baijang's attendant, which was a cool thing to do you got to hang out with the teacher a lot and be exposed to his or her consciousness which could be entertaining or frightening depending on the circumstances and um so uh anyway he was uh um, as as Baijang's attendant he would uh he would he would hang around a lot he'd have to just be there in case the teacher uh, needed something needed something done so one day there they are in the monastery and things are kind of quiet and probably a little chilly at least in my visualization and master Vajang, he hears someone in the you know, the outer chamber there of, of his quarters So he says, who's out there? And Guishan, whose coordination name was Ling Yo, sorry to be throwing all these Chinese names at you. He says, it's Ling Yo. Bajang says, it's kind of cold in here. Would you please see if there are coals burning still in the uh, brazier so lingyo comes and he kind of pokes around and you know, the brazier seems to be pretty cold so he says no they're all out bye john uh, comes over to where the brazier is and he takes the tongs and he digs around a little bit and he comes up with a coal that's lit and he sticks it up by 
Ling Yo's nose and says, here's one. And Ling Yo realizes who he is in that moment. So the question, who are you? Uh, what? Open in his very own heart at that moment, face to face, across a burning coal with Master Bai John. So this is another soteriological approach, another approach to liberation. Through the, um, I don't know, gateway of this question, who are you? A gateway leading to uh, a profound appreciation for this body-mind, for this, this human life with its many frustrations and terrors and short-lived pleasures. In the midst of all that, there is a uh, burning coal. And um, when that is revealed uh, in this human heart, that's pretty good. Then you don't run around, though, saying, I figured out who I am. A lot of these uh, stories, you know, um, uh, do not feature uh, someone who, who's, um, who has encountered the burning coal of their own life. They don't, they don't go running around you know, partying and then saying, hey, hey let's all go down to the, the tavern because I want to celebrate my liberation. And they don't, they don't go uh, uh, running up and down and applauding and congratulating themselves. It's very quiet. It's just sort of like, oh, that's how it is. Intensity of our lives, the burning coal of who we are, is uh, an extraordinary treasure and not to be bandied about lightly. We don't sit around congratulating ourselves that we know the Emperor's name. We don't do that. So it's kind of funny. 
there I was listening to the, to me, kind of tortured philosophy of the subtle doctor, John's, John John Scotus, and feeling the mind try to click. And yet, our, our Chan and Zen stories are about, no, open, open. There's nothing to grab. Just so we're not confused, I'm not saying this open thing, that's not something you figure out how to do. It's how we already are. If you start thinking that it's something you have to figure out how to do, boy, that can really lead you astray. So instead, we answer the question, who are you, with our whole being, our whole body-mind. That's the magical answer. So I don't think I will trouble you further this morning, but maybe you have a question or comment. As you may know, I don't usually wait very long when, once I've said, anybody have a question or comment? Okay. Thank you very much. This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, Isanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hscc.org.